And it's good to be with you. I think it was almost 10 years ago when we were with you last. Colleen and I had just gotten married, and, and uh, you're in the other building. Or actually, I think you're at the golf place. I thought that was righteous to be at a golf place. I mean, that was, uh, while you're preaching, you could see people going by in carts, and I thought, man, this is the right way to have a church. Hallelujah. I love this building, but you're full. This is wonderful. What a great problem. Uh, you know, I like it, but he said, if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. So uh, our focus is always about him. Because, man, we've come together today to magnify him. And think about he died for us. He, he let himself be beaten for us. Think about that. I mean, the, the whole protocol of God letting himself be beat up for us. So, man, we're, we're appreciative. I mean, we're, we, we get to walk in the fullness of what he left us 2,000 years ago. So that's why we're happy. So if you're here today and you wonder why, man, those guys are happy, uh, we're redeemed. <laughs> Not trying to get redeemed, we are redeemed. You know, I prayed for this lady in uh, Iowa years ago. She'd been in a horrible car wreck. She was addicted to Oxycontin, you know, her back was shattered and all that, so she's just in horrible pain. I prayed for her, and she felt the presence of God going to her body. She goes, wow, I'm healed, felt good, you know. And uh, the next night, she came back, she goes, hey, my back started hurting last night, so I guess I'm not healed. I said, well, you're going to hell, aren't you? And she bowed up on me, she says, no, I'm not going to hell. I said, well, you're just as healed as you are saved. You've just been taught so well in your salvation that she bowed up on me, no, I'm not going to hell. And we need to be just as bold about every facet of redemption. If you need peace of mind today, he was chastised. He was tormented, so you don't have to have torment in your mind. I mean, he, he took care of it all. I mean, you talk about the coolest deal ever. It doesn't get any cooler than that. So we're blessed. And what a privilege. I mean, I love that you guys know each other for so long. And I love your pastor's flavor of word and spirit and, and being a, a man of prayer and really a, a man set for the time to have activities of God in all of our lives. We, we're in a season where we've got to learn to get it through us, not just to us. Thank you for your enthusiasm, but it's true, amen. I mean, we have to get to that point to where we're actually a vessel rather than always come and need, I need this, I need this, I need this, to we're so strong everywhere you go. You're the only Jesus most people ever see. You just are. And it's just a cool time. Jesus is appearing to children in Iran right now. Uh, Jesus is appearing to children in Indonesia. So you have, you have heaven doing some things to accelerate some things, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. You know, I normally in the last probably 10 years have been preaching on end time so much, and uh, maybe we'll get into some of that tonight, but this morning we'll go a little bit different route, and I promise I won't sing, okay? I'll, I'll keep the singing to a minimum, but uh, it's just an, a wild time to be on the planet. You're watching Scripture come to pass right in front of your eyes. Never has there been a time where you can connect the dots, okay? The Bible said that, you know, 500, I mean, 2,500 years ago, 2,500 years ago, that was said, that was said, and you're watching Scripture come to pass. I mean, Israel being made a nation in your lifetime, Jerusalem being won back. Jesus said the generation sees those two events won't pass away to all is fulfilled. Now, I got about 50 I can give you, but we'll, we'll get into that tonight. So God wants us to accelerate and think differently. We've got to harvest in a different manner. It's just a bizarre time. I mean, and if you're not paying attention, it'll, it just passes you. That's why I like what Pastor David said. Jesus told us to lift up our heads. Our redemption is drawing nigh. To where you could be living when all this stuff's happening and so preoccupied that you don't even know it. But we're privileged right now. Every nation, every tongue, every kindred is hearing of his glory. It's just amazing. I mean, we were in um, Australia, and uh, this, the, the worship leaders uh, made their daughter come to church that day. She said, you, the husband said, whatever you do, make our daughter come today. Because she wasn't really excited about going to church, you know. And she came, and she's sitting there all mad the whole service. You know, and I, I'm jumping through hoops, doing sock puppets and everything, trying to get her to smile at least once, you know. And I had a word of knowledge at the end that someone had damage in their tonsils, like a film on their tonsils, and their tailbone. 
didn't even have anybody come down because I was I'd preached too long on end times or whatever. This girl, the little girl, come up to me afterwards. She's a like senior in high school. She's number four in pole vaulting in the nation of Australia. She goes, that was me. I busted my tailbone. And I have this lining thing on my tonsils. It's gone. It's gone. I can tell. She's bawling like a baby. So she doesn't want to be there, mad to be there, and Jesus heals her. It's just a cool season. We were in Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, I preached uh, on end times, and I was in a hurry, fast, you know, fast I could go. Had a word of knowledge at the end that someone, uh, uh, their thyroid's messed up, and they want to put a needle in your thyroid, and their back was damaged. Just called out real fast. No, I didn't even lay hands on anybody. After the service, this guy comes to me. Hey, 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 that's me, that's me. I said, man, thanks for coming. Bless you, buddy. He goes, no, 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 that's me. I, uh, they want to put a needle in my thyroid. And he said, I can feel my back get healed. I said, well, cool. Thanks for coming. You're redeemed. The next night, his girlfriend came up to him. He said, hey, you don't understand about my boyfriend last night. The whole time I was preaching, he said about me, he's a con man. He's a con man. So he don't like me, don't like my preaching, still gets healed. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's amazing. God's mercy and kindness is... We were in Craig, Colorado. It was so cold, you had to put heaters on the engine blocks. It was 20-something degrees, like 28 below zero. I thought, this is uninhabitable. I mean, it's beautiful, but it was still too cold. And I was preaching along. I had a word of knowledge at the end that someone had been shot in the eye. Nobody came down. and Used to. You know, I would kind of wait on folks. I'd sit down and just go, I'm not leaving until you come. But I kind of got in a hurry, and I prayed for some other folks. And I forgot about it. I said, you know, I started praying for other people. That afternoon, Collie and I went down to the lobby of the hotel uh, after the Sunday service. As we went down, uh, I was, we were going to get a cup of coffee. Remember that? And I felt like while I was preaching that somebody wanted to kill me. And I get that a lot. You know, because uh, as a traveling guy, you're supposed to say things to kind of prod people a little bit, you know. Uh, pastor's office exudes decency. The traveling guy exudes urgency. So, man, while I was preaching, I thought, man, somebody wants to kill me. Because spiritual things are more real than natural things. And you can get to where that's more real to you. And I thought, man, somebody wants to kill me. So that afternoon, we went down to get some coffee. This guy comes walking up to me. He goes, hey, I was coming to the service tonight to kill you. I said, can I get you some coffee? <laughs> he goes, no. He goes, I'm the guy that got shot in the eye. He goes, I didn't want to be in that service. I didn't like your preaching. He said, but this, this power came down on me. I said, I, I called on the name of the Lord. He gets healed and saved, wanting to kill the preacher. So God's mercy, way if people you work with, you might be frustrated with them, Jesus loves them, and, and he sent you to help them. So let's grab our Bibles and uh, uh, turn where you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> let's go to Matthew, and uh, I want to get into some things today. I won't keep you long because we'll come back tonight. But let's get into some things that kind of get us, uh, I believe, uh, the more we hear about things, the more aware we are, and the more aware we are, the bolder we'll be. And uh, that's what we want. we want. We want to embrace everything that Jesus has for us. Go to Matthew 28, and we'll, uh, I want to get into something I don't get to preach on very much, but let's go to Matthew 28, and we'll start here and just see how far we go. Matthew 28, verse 1. It's page 43, if you've got a Bible like mine. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, this is Matthew 28, verse 1, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the sepulcher, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back and rolled the stone from the door, sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment was white as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as, as dead men. And the, they answered, the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. So I want to get in today a little bit about, um, 
we have all this thought pattern of what we can do as individuals to cooperate with God. I mean, to have the power of God flow through us. And that's really our whole thought pattern before the coming of the Lord is unselfishness. I mean, there's a thought pattern that we can think about <laughs> before He comes back, and it's really not a big deal, but it's called thoughtfulness. Thinking for others. Because we live in a time of self. That's one of the signs of the coming of the Lord. Men would be lovers of themselves. We have selfie sticks. So, I mean, there's got to be... That went over real good. <laughs> wow. But there's got to be a time in our lives that we, we, we're so free that we're eventually setting other people free. But this morning, I want to get into some things that how God accelerated the move of God and helped the early church with the ministry of angels. Not weird, not strange, but an awareness of supernatural beings that basically God used to kind of uh, propel the church at the beginning. Because it's, I mean, thank God for great preaching. Thank God for manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for demonstrations. But you can look through the whole book of Acts and watch how heaven assisted them. I mean, you think about it. Every time in Scripture when God had a, a different change coming, you see the ministry of angels more in manifestation. They're probably there all the time, but you see them more active. I mean, every dispensation change, you see them active. I mean, think about the first coming of the Lord, Gabriel. He appears to Mary, makes the proclamation. And Mary's like, what? I'm going to have a child without a mate, and I'm going to name him Jesus. And that was just an ordinary name. And then you have the, the shepherds where they were uh, keeping their flocks. Those were the sheep for sacrifices. You have the angel of the Lord stand there uh, and, and, and pro make the proclamation of Jesus has come. The Redeemer's come. Great, great change every time you, you see uh, this happening where that there's a little bit more of an access to that realm. I mean, even Jesus, remember when he was choosing his disciples, he saw Nathaniel over there and he said, Indeed is an Israelite in whom is no guile. He goes, how do you know who I am? He goes, well, before you were over here, I saw you under the tree. He goes, oh, you're a prophet. He kind of freaked out, you know. And Jesus downplayed that word of knowledge. He said, hereafter, you'll see the heavens open and angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Like there's a whole other realm here that you're not aware of. I mean, that word of knowledge freaked him out. And Jesus goes, that's no big deal. I'm functioning from a whole other place here of a, a realm that's even more real than that. And then you get into the book of Acts and you see assistance. I mean, you have an angel appearing to Philip, telling him to go over to Gaza. And what happened? He went over to Gaza and the Ethiopian was, was reading right out of Isaiah. And the guy gets born again. So you get the gospel going to that region with the assistance of angels. And then, I mean, then you get uh, an angel appeared to Cornelius, told him where to go hear words where he could be saved. So you see things sped up. Now I'm saying that because the end of the church age will be just like the beginning. I've heard people go, what's it going to look like right before the Lord comes back? Go to Acts chapter 8 and go all the way back. And it was filled with outpourings of the power of God, filled with, with uh, demonstrations of the glory of God, filled with activity of angels, but there was no weirdness to it at all. Because the minute you start talking about angels, man, people start going like this, you know. Ooh, it gets spooky. And in, and in the Bible, you see the ministry of angels with no hysteria. Now, it did shock people at times, but zero hysteria. In fact, the first thing an angel would say was, fear not. So to the point that you think about how aware they were of this. Remember when Peter got put in jail and uh, James got his head cut off, which that's not good. And they begin to pray. They start praying after James gets his head cut off. Well, you know, like, yikes, this is not good. They're serious about this. So they start praying for Peter earnestly, constantly, and, and fervently for Peter. And the angel of the Lord, boom, wakes him up. He's so at peace, he's sound asleep before he's going to get his head cut off. That's pretty awesome. He's, not, he's resting, taking it easy. The angel of the Lord wakes him up and says, hey, put your clothes on, get out of here, we're, we're leaving. Well, he 
He puts his clothes on, the gates of the city open up on their, of their own accord. And he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord had sent his angel to deliver me. He had so many visions, he wasn't sure if he's having a vision or was actually getting out of town. <coughs> he goes to the house where they're praying. <laughs> he knocks on the door and the lady goes, ah, it's Peter. And she, they don't even expect the answer to their prayer. <laughs> so the, their prayer is answered. And they said, no, it's not, it's him, it's his angel. So you see divine intervention. The reason why I want to get into some of this today is we're coming into a season that's going to be just like the book of Acts. And really, I don't want to be ornery about this, but in the climate that we live now, every, all I won't say this, most churches are so fragile, like we can't preach on anything bold, don't do anything to offend anybody. So we have a group of folks in the church that are just basically not very spiritual. They're very, very soft-skinned, very fragile. If you say something bold to motivate people, well, he's just too rough. Well, I got something for that. It's called Depends. I got some diapers for you. <laughs> I was preaching in a church in California, and I had a word of knowledge. Uh, the church that you guys were working in, and uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe four or five years ago, I knew that they were attacking the pastor. In a football game, you know, you want your offensive line to protect the quarterback, and I just knew that they were letting the folks through to get the quarterback instead of protecting him. So I told Colleen, and said, go get me some Depends undergarments. So... <laughs> You know, it's amazing. Visual things stick with you better than anything. So I was preaching along about something. I said, you know, uh, this is what this church is doing. You're attacking your pastor instead of protecting him. And I said, this is what it looks like. And I put depends on over my suit pants, you know. And so, you know, I started throwing depends. You know, just trying to make it light because it is kind of a sobering thing to think like that. So I'm throwing undergarments everywhere and all that. And uh, get back to the airport. I got boxes of depends there in the back seat. Colleen just got, got me tons. I get back to the airport, you know, as I'm leaving town. And the guy at Hertz Rent-A-Car goes, hey, you, you forgot your Depends undergarments. I go, those are not for me. Sure, they're not. <laughs> Here, I'm trying to help, trying to get the church to know this. The one time the guy's checking out my car, I goes, yeah, right, whatever. I said, no, 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 those are not mine. Sure, they're not yours. But, I mean, it's, we're in that climate where, you know, it's, we, we've, I love the feeling of your church and your pastor has this thought pattern that we're going to do what we're called to do. I mean, if we want to have a diluted message, whatever, we want, to, uh, we want to have demonstrations of the Lord. We want Him magnified. So that's why uh, Pastor Dave and I were talking, and, and we wanted to get into this day about angels. Not weird, not strange, but supernatural activity. The, the word angel just means messenger. And every time you saw change in the earth, you see an, activity, an increase of activity of angels. Different kinds of angels. You have archangels. You have uh, cherubim. You have seraphim. Cherubim would be the highest class of angel. Because remember, Lucifer at one time was the anointed cherub that covered. I mean, you think about that. His whole job was to cover the Lord, and that radiation would come through him, and he had pipes and tabrets, and he had all those uh, uh, stones on him, and that radiation would come through him. And he got to thinking he was the origin of that cool look or that radiation. No, he wasn't the origin of it. It was what's behind him, Jesus, the Father, right there. You know, and he got in pride and all that. But see, that's why he hates for you to have radiation through you, because that was what his original job was. See, we're carriers of that glory, and he's supposed to radiate through us. But isn't it wild that seraphim have uh, wings that cover their face, wings that cover their feet, and wings that they fly with? I don't think they need them to fly, but I guess that's how that works. But they're created to be at the throne of God, and they still have to shield their eyes. That's why you have to get a glorified body, so you can, your rods and your cones won't get messed up when, you, when we get to the throne room. Amen? But you have different classes of angels, but let's go back and look at the highest class. Buzz back to Joshua, and let's look at the angels in the Old Testament. Just hang with me a little bit. I'm going to get to why I'm preaching on this today. Go to Joshua 
chapter, um, I think it's chapter 5. And let's look at the highest class in Scripture. Look at Joshua 5, look at verse 13. Now this is a, not an ordinary angel, this is the highest class in the Old Covenant. It was Jesus Himself. So watch here in Joshua 5, verse 13. It's uh, page 270 if you've got a Bible like mine. Verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or are you our adversaries? He said, No, but as the captain of the host of the Lord I'm now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. So you see this angel receiving worship, because this wasn't a normal angel. This was the angel of the Lord. This is Jesus in the Old Covenant. Because all throughout the Scripture, we're taught very well to not worship angels. We worship the Lord. We don't magnify angels. But I want to get into this to get us a little bit more aware of what we can anticipate right before the Lord comes back. Because in the, the ministry of the book of Acts, you see the ministry of angels connected with miracles. Even to the point of, member Zechariah, he didn't believe, Gabriel tells him, oh, by the way, you're going to have a son, uh, your wife Elizabeth's going to have a son. He's like, yeah, whatever, I don't believe that. And he goes, because you don't believe, you're not going to be able to talk. Instantly, working of miracles. So you see the working of miracles, Zacharias can't talk. And then when John's born, what's that, John? I mean, he screams his name, and everybody's whoa, what's up with this? So you see the ministry of angels with the operation of miracles. So there's a lot to this we don't uh, know and don't understand because there is some mystery to it, but in, all throughout the Scriptures, it was, it was the plan of God of getting accelerated or moved ahead without people getting freaked out or weird. And here you see Joshua going, man, this ain't, what, what am I supposed to do here? And he hit, he hit his face and worshipped. So that was a higher class of angel, and that brought some, he was the captain of the host, and he received some honor because this was Jesus. Remember the Bible talks about the law was given by the dispensation of angels, but it was the angel of the Lord. So go, let's go look at another one. Go over to Psalms. Run over there for a minute. We're going to get somewhere. How many are still glad you came today? How many are glad you're here and not in jail? Come on. <laughs> How many are glad you're here and weren't with John years ago? No. <laughs> go to Psalms. So let's go to Psalms uh, 100 and something. You pick out which one you want there. We'll, we'll find one. Look at Psalms 103. And look at verse 17. Psalms 103, verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and to His righteousness and to the children's children, to such as keep His covenant, to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. So we here, we kind of see what their function is. They, they hearken to the word of God. I don't want to get to heaven and have my angels on treadmills going, they were, I never had them active, they were having to exercise, amen? I want my angels to be having to do some stuff because I'm speaking the Word. So you can find out right there that you can get angels active for you if you speak the Word. And we know that because we're Word people, we've heard that all of our lives. But now, speaking about this whole thought pattern of angels, I grew up in a home, my pastor, a friend from California said I had a drug problem growing up. I did. My mother drugged me to church. So I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to come hear the word from the time I was eight years old. Man, we were in church every night. We, we went to church every single night. 
My mom had confession packs, you know. She was just a psycho word lady, you know what I mean? So I was taught to never ask for a vision. I've got a more sure word of prophecy. You don't need a vision. I got the word. So growing up, man, I never wanted to have a vision, you know, never wanted to see Jesus or an angel because uh, the devil can accommodate you as an angel of light. So you don't, we, don't, we don't seek visions, we seek the word. I mean, even Jesus, after he was raised from the dead on the road to Emmaus, he was standing right there with them. They didn't know who he was. He took them through the word. <laughs> he, he, he exposed himself to who, they, who he was through the scripture. And then he broke bread and disappeared. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> and they said, did not our hearts burn with it? It's the word. How do you like to have Jesus explain himself to you? Uh, someone taught me the word last week. Who was it? The Lord himself. What a cool, a cool teaching class that would have been. But he took him through the word. He could have been, nah, 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 nah. Yes, I'm alive. You didn't believe it. Don't be a moron. He didn't do that. Took him through the word. Took him through the word. So, so we don't seek for these things. So I remember years ago, I'd gone to Raymond in 1980. Word person, word person, been in this all my life, you know, word, 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 word. So uh, I went to Raymond, worked for a minister for a while, then I worked for this prophet for a couple of years, traveled with him on the road. And I remember I had never seen angels before, never had discerning of spirits happen. We know for someone to see an angel, either, either that gift has to be in operation or you're, the, an angel has to somehow slow down and come into this realm where we can see it. You know, the Bible says sometimes people have entertained angels unaware. So I'm word, 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 not, not you know, vision, 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 vision. So I'm on the road in 1986 in Seekonk, Massachusetts, working for this prophet guy. And I'll never forget it. it uh, Sam Smith's church had a ceiling about like yours here, and uh, uh, we call that like a drop ceiling. And it was a long church like this. And I remember I would help the guys working for in the prayer line. As I was helping him in the prayer line, the Holy Ghost said, back away from him. And I thought, well, that's weird. This is my job to kind of help him because he kind of stumbled around. So the power of God would be on that guy's life that if I didn't think about sports, I'd fall out on the power. I mean, there was such a tangible presence on the guy's life. So I backed away from him. Instantly, all of a sudden, I had discerning the spirits at him. All of a sudden, I saw angels all around him like they're guarding him. Real big, tall, like eight, nine feet tall. Like they had their head almost bent over like that. Like, it would, like the ceiling was too low for them and they were bent over like this. I saw angels catching people just like we have catchers catching people. And it freaked me out. I thought, man, I'm see what in the world am I seeing? I'm seeing angels, and I'm standing there. One of, the, one of them you know, had kind of long hair like that, kind of sandy brown. One of them had dark hair. The dark hair would turn and looked at me and smiled real big. I almost made a brand-new door right there. I mean, I, I was so freaked out. I was like, man, what in the world's going on? But the Lord was trying to get me ready for when that would happen in a service. I wouldn't want to exit. I'd just chill, and, and the Lord would do whatever he wanted to do. But that started happening from that point on while I traveled with that guy. And the purpose of it would be known later that in services, people would get healed with no fanfare. I remember a service I was in at Michael Kalstrup's church in uh, Oakland, Iowa. Real normal church. I taught his sons how to use their handbrakes and do 180s. So every time the pastor introduces me, he goes, my, he taught my boys and they ruined all their wheels. They taught them how to do 180s with their handbrakes. I said, yes, I taught them on the snow, not on dry pavement. And so I'd leave, and on dry payment, they'd do 180s. So it's a real normal church, you know, normal people. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I was preaching there one time. I had a word of knowledge that a woman was in a car wreck. And as she came down, I began to pray for her. And uh, actually, I put my hand on her shoulder like this, and I started speaking the word. I command your body to be healed, you know. It is written by the stripes of Jesus you're healed. It is written you're redeemed from the curse of the law. Always give you word. The Lord said, back away from her. And I thought, well, I remember what that means. I kind of backed away from her like that. Big old angel was standing there just like that, about eight, nine feet tall, glowing in the glory of God, radiant, nothing weird, nothing strange. And I just kept speaking the word. Didn't say a word about seeing an angel right there. Didn't say a word. 
I said, you're redeemed, you're whole, you're strong. After I finished praying for her, I said, how are you doing? She goes, wow, my shoulder feels good. And I actually went on to some other people because I'd called a bunch of other things out. And didn't even think about it. After the service, Michael Kauser, the pastor, you know how you kind of come walking up after service and you kind of talk a little bit? Michael's standing there. I said, man, I saw an angel stand right by that woman that was in the car wreck. And it was so cool. He goes, oh, neat, man. I'm glad she's redeemed. No fanfare whatsoever. Right then, she came walking up. And she said, hey, you had your hand on my shoulder, but all of a sudden you took your hand off my shoulder, but I could still feel this hand on my shoulder. I looked at Pastor Mike and gave him a wink like that. Didn't say a word to her like, I've seen the angel of the Lord, you know, because that's kind of what it's been like when that happens. I said, and she goes, no, I didn't get to tell you what happened to me. My shoulder was damaged, but I also had torn my Achilles tendon. They had wrapped it in this strap stuff to try to hold it where it is. She said, I got back to my seat, started hitting my leg like that. She said, my Achilles tendon is completely healed. I didn't say I'd seen an angel, but I saw what the fruit of it was. She got her shoulder healed and got her Achilles tendon healed. So we see the working of miracles in connection with the ministry of angels. Without weirdness, without strangeness, because see, right now, whether we're aware of it or not, we have, we have a, 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 literally a whole group of guys that are unseen that are wanting to help us get the will of God wrought. And they're hearkening to the word, not to our problems, not to what we've been going through, but it is written. It is written, and we want to activate them because this is real. <laughs> and uh, and I'll, I'll give you some more stories. I remember one time I was in Detroit, Michigan. You know where the Ford plant is there in Detroit, right out of a, just the northern part of Detroit? you got GM, you got Ford, Dearborn right there. I was praying for a buddy of mine that was in the ministry, going through a test and a trial. Just praying normal word over him. Lord, he'll finish his course. You know, he'll do the will of God. He'd been going through a horrible test and a horrible trial. So I just thought I'd speak the word over his life for a minute. I'm commanding some things over him. All of a sudden, I felt an anointing come on me. It's really special faith. You don't have time to get into all that, but it's all of a sudden I'm authorized in his life more than normal. And really, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a faith that really knows no weakness. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's greater than ordinary faith because in ordinary faith, I can't command for you. You've got to command for yourself. Am I in the right room? So I felt myself commanding for that friend of mine. I mean, just, I command, all of a sudden, boom, this huge angel stands right there. Eight, nine, ten feet tall. Freaked me out. The hair on the back of my head, ding. And I'm like, I'm so freaked out. I'm like, what in the world? He goes, I've been sent from the throne of God to tell you this. And begin to deliver a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. He sent the answer to the prayer I just prayed. So freaked me out that the answer came just like that. Well, I told that guy uh, the next day what the angel said. He didn't really like it. It was good news. I'm like, well, man, don't shoot me. I'm just telling you what the angel said. The angel was just saying what God said. I've been sent from the throne of God. So he got mad at me. So about two years later, uh, a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I don't know if you heard of him, Willie George, has a big church. He called me and said, hey, I had a dream about a buddy of yours. He said, I had it two nights in a row, and I went and told him. I said, what was the dream? It was word for word what that angel said in that hotel room. I'm like, man, you're really trying to help that guy. I was in a meeting a few years later. Keith Moore is a, pa a pastor from Missouri. He has a church there. He walked up to that friend of mine, held his hand out just like this, in a service I was in, quoted word for word what that angel said in that hotel room. So here, Willie gets it by dream. Uh, 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 Keith gets it right there by revelation. An angel tells me, so it doesn't matter. It's all, it's all a message from heaven. We don't want to get caught up in you know, how it comes, but look at the mercy of God. They, whether it's an angel, whether it's... Revelation, whether it's dream, the supernatural activity of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we want. We want demonstrations of his glory. So that guy was helped. <laughs> and you see the ministry of angels without weirdness, without strangeness, not goofy. The stuff from heaven. 
Go over it. Run over to Hebrews. Let's just go over there a little further. Still glad you came today? Go to Hebrews. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 1. Man, Hebrews is so cool about the ministry of angels. I love this, especially because it magnifies Jesus so much here in Hebrews. I love this. So cool. Look at Hebrews 1. And let's look at chapter 1, verse 1. Let's just read a couple of verses here. It's just good for us. It's so good. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Man, I love those ver- first four verses. Just magnifies Jesus. Now, he's the brightness of the glory of God. He, he defeated Satan. So here in the next verse, he's going to give us a couple of clues here about the ministry of angels. Watch what he says in verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I'll be to him a father, and he'll be to me a son. And here we know when Jesus was raised from the dead in verse 6. And again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. I love this, man. When Jesus is raised from the dead, all of creation had to worship him. And we know that he was raised with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So joy brought him out of the heart of the earth. So here he talks about, in verse 5, to which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. See, they don't have that place with the Father. They're just created. They're not like the Son. So skip over to verse 13. Watch what he says in verse 13. He says it again. Anytime you see God saying something a second time, you want to pay attention. Look at verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool? They don't have that place at the right hand of God, but they do have a place. Look at their place. It's the next verse. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? They don't have that place at the right hand, but you do. But they do have a place. They've been sent forth to minister for us that are heirs of salvation. And it's sad that we've almost gotten spooky when we talk about this stuff, but God wants us to get ready for some things that are going to happen right before the coming of the Lord. And you and I both know none of us would probably be in here if it wasn't for the ministry of angels. I mean, we used to, we used to all do crazy stuff, and the Lord protected you by, by his, uh, his workers that kept you alive. Amen? You know, but specifically when it comes to the ministry of angels, there is such a pattern you see throughout the book of Acts that accelerated things. And I believe we're living so close to the coming of the Lord, we've got to, we've got to spiritually get a thought pattern that God can do a lot in a short period of time. And I believe that's what's coming for the church. An explosion for churches that are on fire, that are praying churches, that are aware of what God wants to do, souls can be swept in. I personally believe right before the coming of the Lord, you'll be having church 24 hours a day. I believe that Pastor Dave will go, you take a service 7 to 9, you take it 9 to 11, you take it 11 to 1, you take it 1 to 3, and you're a safe house for people running in right before the coming of the Lord. And I think it's just going to be absolutely awesome. And at times you'll have ministry of angels. It won't be a big deal. You have the glory of God. It won't be a big deal. But you'll see hearts turn to the Lord just like that. And God will get more done in a short period of time than ever before in history. Things are compressed right here to the end of the church age. Pretty radical. I remember one time I was in uh, Alabama, Birmingham. 
<laughs> I had a word of knowledge that someone had gotten like a, a they had like a, a like a band on their head. I called it out, and this lady came down and uh, was getting ready to pray for her. And the Lord said, back away from her. Boy, there's an angel standing right there. I was like, oh, my Lord, that's crazy. What's up with that? Begin to speak the word over her. No big deal. Confess that she's healed. The next day, I was going to go buy a Barbie doll for my, my daughter, Lauren. Lauren was like, I don't know, maybe five, four years old, three years old. I was going to go buy a Barbie doll. So I'm in the Walmart on the Barbie doll aisle. And I'm telling you what, man, there's Barbie doll haircut. There's Barbie doll skiing. So I was a little overwhelmed. There's so much Barbie doll stuff. And you don't, as a guy, you don't want to hang out on the Barbie doll aisle. <laughs> it's not cool. So I was thinking, get the Barbie doll and get out. And all of a sudden, this lady come walking up. Hey, 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 Brother Joe, Brother Joe. You remember me? And I didn't really, didn't really take me a minute to realize she was the lady with the band on her head. She said, I've been, spent several hundred thousand dollars trying to get free. I've had this pressure on my head for all these years. She said, last night that pressure was gone. I didn't go, I've seen the angel of the Lord. I knew you were healed. No, I said, man, Jesus redeemed you. You're set free. And so we're, there, there's coming this season where we'll get to see a whole increase of this because we have to have some supernatural things happen. Because I'm, I'm telling you what, it's something about the supernatural. It doesn't matter if you're a fellow American college surgeon. It doesn't matter if you're this or that. Uh, you can't deny it when you see some radical things like that. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're going to get to see more of it. So here, I like this. He, he tells them they don't have that place at the right hand of God, but they do have a place. So look at chapter 2. He starts giving you more detail. Therefore, because of this, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. If the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense and reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto him by those that heard him. God also bearing them witness. I like this. God saying an amen to them, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So you see the ministry of angels packed in right here with a thought pattern of demonstrations of the glory of God. And that's what we want to hunger for. We want to whet our appetite for what heaven has for us right here before we, we leave the planet. I mean, because this is what we want. We want heavenly activity, not earthly activity. I've heard people say this, well, if you get too heavenly minded, you know earthly good. I've never met anybody too heavenly minded. <laughs> Amen. I really haven't. I mean, it would behoove us. Paul told us to, to have our minds in, in that kind of thought pattern. Have a consciousness of that realm rather than this. While we look not at things which are seen, but things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or subject to change. And it's unfortunate that we get in one ditch or the other, but we're, we've had so much word, so much word, it would be good to have a season of demonstration. I'm telling you, this, this, this is it. I remember a, a service I was in. Oh, man, I'm going to give you story after story, but I won't keep you too long today. I, I, and I'm, hit CD number seven. I'm going to sing for a little while. No. I remember a service I was in, a buddy of mine got me to go to it, and uh, you guys all know Ross. I was ushering in a church in Tulsa years ago. I wasn't full-time in the ministry, didn't want to be in the ministry. I wanted to help these preachers that I was working for. I loved helping them, didn't want to preach. And uh, my, the guy I worked for, he'd want me to do a tape announcement, and I'd take off running because I didn't want to get up in front of people. I'm like, I am not doing that. I really would. I was, I was horrible. And so uh, I was reluctant to be in the ministry. So a buddy of mine makes me go do this camp meeting. We get off the plane. And the TV media met us when we got off the plane. They had TV cameras and everything. And there were posters all over the city. Jesus is your healer. 
uh, come get miracles. So uh, the news media wanted to see who we were. So we got off the plane, and they wanted to interview us. I said, man, don't interview me. Interview my buddy. And this is what my buddy did. He got the microphone. He did Elvis Presley. He went just like this. He did his, I'm serious. This is what he did. And I was like, oh, my God, he's doing Elvis right there in front of everybody. And he got the microphone. and goes, I dare you to come to the meeting. God will heal you. He goes, come to the meeting. God will heal you. Bring the sick and the lame from all around. I thought, man, just invite them to come. Don't dare them. To, I mean, what? I thought, just say, hey, we're going to have great services. Come get set free. The Lord is so good. You know, he goes, he goes, I dare you to come to the meeting. God will heal you. He'll take care of you. And I just walked away. I thought, oh, man. You know, you guys know Ross. He's crazy. He's just, he's totally crazy. So I just, I just kind of sat there like, this is not, not good. This is not good, you know. So we got there, and uh, I preached that Sunday morning. It was horrific. I had a lady walk up to me afterwards and said, don't try to do this for a living. <laughs> That's what she said. I said, well, you're not the first lady to ever tell me that. And uh, it's true. And so she goes, man, she, so what she said. She said, no, no, don't try to do this for a living. Okay, I got you. So it was horrible. I mean, it was dry as corn syrup. It was hideous. So we came back that night, and, and my buddy Ross was going to preach. And I'm sitting there waiting for him. The music was so bad, he wouldn't even come in. He goes, I can't take it. It was, it was ching, ching, a ling, a ding, ding. And it wasn't, it was all, you know, Jesus wasn't even, you know what I mean? It was just, it was agitating. You know what I'm saying? It, it was anti-worship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was just bad. So he goes, I can't, I can't handle that. He wouldn't even come in. I'm standing there going, gosh, where's my buddy? Come on in here. All of a sudden, boom, discerning of spirits. Just caught me completely off guard. Angels standing right there in front of me. Two big old angels, about eight or nine feet tall. Looked right down there at me. And I saw angels all over here where the kids were. The kids were left in the service. And they were all kind of around the children. But these two angels, about eight or nine feet tall, stood there and just looked at me like that and stared at me. I looked up at them and I just stuck my head. Because I, I didn't know what to do, man. So I looked at them again. I stuck my head. And I thought, man, this is crazy. So God was trying to get me ready for stuff like this so I wouldn't leave the room because I was kind of freaked out. Because this is real. <laughs> so I didn't know what to do. Ross comes walking in. He goes, you got anything? I said, no, no, don't have anything, don't have anything. I have nothing, zero. And those angels stood there that whole time just look, just staring at me just like this. Didn't take their eye. And I'm kind of like, okay, this is weird. So the, while he's preaching, the Holy Ghost said those angels had come to deliver a woman a new heart. I thought, well, that's scriptural. Someone's going to get healed. So Ross does some words of knowledge or whatever. He says, hey, you got something? I said, well, I guess I do. I said, there's someone, there's a, someone here, you, you need a brand new heart. This lady got up, came walking down. I said, that's right, you, you're, 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 you need a brand new heart. She looked like she had congestive heart failure. She, I said, Lord, you better heal her quick because she looked like she's going to die right there. You know what I'm saying? I thought, man, heal her and heal her quick. I said, Father, thank you for restoring her. I said, I command your body to be healed. She fell out of the power and got up just vibrant. No big deal. You know, and you went back to her seat, super vibrant. Ross gives the altar call. Her and her whole family came down and gave their life to the Lord. She was so transformed. You can see someone when they have congestive heart failure. Now, she was on a wait list for a heart. That's how bad her heart was. Well, that was Sunday night. Because remember, Sunday morning I spoke. It was bad. That was Sunday night. She went back to the doctor on Monday. She went bebopping in there. And he goes, wow, what happened to you? She goes, I went to this crazy church service. And she goes, I'm healed. He said, well, I'll tell you whether you're healed or not. He did an EKG, did another EKG, did another EKG. He did like six or seven EKGs. He goes, you know what? You have the heart of a 17-year-old. Well, the doctor's so freaked out, he called the news media. And you know how when you have visitors come to a service, you don't want it to be a crazy service, you know? 
the news media came, and it was like circus church. I mean, it was do-do-do-do-do, flying young man on the trapeze. It scared me, and I'm not afraid of it. I was like, oh, my God. Of course the news media was there that day. Well, that was Wednesday. And uh, come Friday, we came in, and you know how you have your foyer? You could not get in the foyer. There were people with candles, people with incense, people with crystals. One lady brought me a purple amethyst because well, the paper came out that day. This is what we found out. The paper comes out, the headline was, uh, uh, Angel brings woman new heart. Christ redeemed her from the curse of the law. My buddy preached that night, and all these people ran down to give their life to the Lord. One lady was demon-possessed, slivered like a snake down the aisle. I got out, walked down there, and grabbed her by the hair. Not in this service. You won't come out of her. And she just laid there like that. So it was all kinds of crazy stuff. But I saw more people get saved that one night than any meeting I've ever been in. They ran to the front. How did we get that? Great preaching? No. lady told me, don't try to do this for a living. <laughs> you have divine assistance. You have the ministry of angels in operation, helping the gospel go out, getting a lady healed, uh, to, 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 to be a sign and a wonder so people would believe. That's the pattern of the book of Acts. We've tried to make it. Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech, but I did come with something. I came with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And my friend, you've come to the time where we're, we're at the time in the church where everybody wants the articulation of man, and heaven's not like that. Heaven's not fanfare. Heaven's low-key. I mean, it is kind of fanfare to have angels, but everything Jesus did was so low-key that they didn't even recognize him. So we kind of want it to be all Superman and Batman, but God's going to have the ministry of angels in operation with us with no fanfare whatsoever. Just people's lives will be changed. We'll see the hearts of men altered in seemingly a moment of time. And I believe that right here before the rapture of the church, you're going to have an explosion of this, and you're going to see heavenly activities. And I want to tell you what right now, I want, I want more of this realm in operation. I don't want to back away from it. I want to embrace it. And it's like I can't hardly ever even preach on it because most churches get too weird when you do. That's why I know the stability of your pastor, that you can get into this because everybody won't go out going, okay, now we've got angels tonight. Woo, no. No, we have the word. We have the word. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. Greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. We speak the word. We decree the word. But you know what? He confirms his word with signs following. So we don't have to get goofy or strange, but we can be supernatural. I mean, I was on Sid Ross' program twice. And that's the whole thing is like, is, is spooky. Now, I love Sid Roth, whatever. But this was 20 years ago. But it's all about the spectacular. And God will do some things so low-key that whether we see an angel or don't see an angel, let's anticipate that realm. Look how bold Jesus was. Hereafter, you'll see the heavens open, angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Because it's real. I'll give you another one about how real it is. I was in Israel years ago, and I'm, I'm closing right now. Hang with me, because I, I want you to come back tonight. I was in Israel a few times, and one of the times I was there in 2001, I had taken a tour to join up with this other lady's tour, and we were in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, that's the olive press where Jesus is going to have that pressure on him to be separated from the Father. And it was just, can you imagine to know he's going to take on himself the nature of Lucifer when he's all mercy, all kindness, all goodness? Remember, Jesus said, Satan has come and he has nothing in me. Ooh. So he's in that garden, that pressure's there. So we're in the Garden of Gethsemane with the tour, and I'm thinking that same thought, like, wow, this is right where Jesus was. You see the Temple Mount right there, and it's so cool to see that spot where Jesus is going to reign forever. So it's kind of hitting, you know. And the lady that I was joining my tour up with her, she said, hey, Joe, I want you to do communion. 
Well, I couldn't remember where the communion verses were. I was like, oh, my God, where's the communion verses? Of course, I know it's 1 Corinthians 11 right now because I'm not put on the spot. So I'm thinking, man, where's the communion verses? Where's the communion verses? All of a sudden, I looked up over the Temple Mount and had an open vision. Remember, it's okay for me to have a vision. I'm a young man. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. But I've been having lots of dreams over the years. So I've, I've switched, over, switched over into the dream category. But at that time, I had an open vision. I saw angels and demons all over the Temple Mount. And I thought, man, I knew it was the most active area on the planet. And I told my buddy, Tom, you guys know Tom? He's a pastor from Heidelberg. I said, Tom, I just had an open vision. I saw angels all over the Temple Mount. He goes, buddy, you better come back to earth. You've got to do communion in a minute. You know how your buddies keep you grounded, you know? I said, no, no, really. I just, <laughs> I just saw all these angels right there. He goes, he goes, you better come back to earth. You've got to do communion. Right then, the lady that had her tour, she said, Phil Halverson was an old prayer guy from Minnesota, was right here at the Temple Mount, had an open vision, and saw angels and demons all over the Temple Mount. So it's the most active area on the whole planet. See, it's Jacob's Ladder. And I told my buddy, I said, see, I'm not crazy. I'm not losing my mind because, see, this is real. Jacob didn't see some old rickety ladder. It was a portal where angels are going back and forth from heaven to earth. And, see, we, we don't think it's real. I got back to Tulsa, and uh, I had an etching of Jacob's Ladder in my office, and it was a stairway with angels going back and forth. I said, isn't it sad that, that the, what's her name, Led Zeppelin had it figured out before the church did? Because, see, we, we have almost gotten so uh, concerned about being strange that we don't even embrace the supernatural. It's sad that Hollywood has more of a sense of change than the church. They, they interpret it with zombies and vampires because there is a resurrection coming. Jesus is coming back. That's their only way to interpret it. But, my friend, God raised you up to be full of the Word, full of the Spirit, to anticipate what God wants to do to harvest in a short period of time and start decreeing some things. Say, Lord, I'm, we're, we're not going to have a second best. We're going to have only heaven right here. And I believe we can have a church where there's such a maturity without weirdness that God can do whatever He wants and He can set people free. But we do have to get ready to embrace these things more and more. Because you're living in a time where it's going to increase and increase. The more yielded we are and open we are to it, We'll see it. And I like what John Osteen said. We said this while we were at dinner last night. John Osteen said, hey, don't worry. You, won't, you don't have any churches. won't have any miracles in your church. Uh, he said, don't worry. God won't bother you because you don't preach it. But you guys preach the most radical extreme there is, so that's what we can anticipate. Activities of the Holy Ghost. And here, you see this. Go back to Hebrews. Let's, let's finish with this. I've gone too long. Look at Hebrews 2. Look at verse 11. It's so cool right here. You could get into this for hours, but I just want to uh, uh, whet your appetite a little bit. So Hebrews 2, look at verse 11. I like this. Oh, look at verse 9. It's so good. Verse 9. But we see Jesus, verse 9 of chapter 2. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And I like this right here. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So angels don't have that position at the right hand of God, but Jesus does, and you're in Christ. So when you speak the word, they don't know what... It's just coming from the body of Christ as far as they're concerned. We've tried to make it to where we have to be certain spiritual level. You are a spiritual level when you're in Christ. He said, both he that sanctified and he that sanctified are one. And man, Jesus knew how to operate from that realm. Without strangeness, without weirdness. He knew how to tap into that where heaven can do what heaven wanted to do without any weirdness whatsoever. 
So I'm, I'm into this today because we're, we're coming into this season of explosions of the glory of the Lord. And that's what we want. You know, I was in a service. I didn't see an angel in the service, but I was in a service in a church of the Nazarene, the night the Gulf War started. And the youth group was talking while I was preaching. Now, I'm closing with this. I'll, we'll, we'll stop after this and we'll come back to tonight. I was in a church of the Nazarene, and the youth group was talking while I was preaching. And I don't really care about that, but I thought, you know, it's kind of weird to be just, just blatantly going, you know. So I couldn't get them to stop talking. I, I, while, I'm, while I'm preaching, they were talking. I walked right back there to them, and they still talked. <laughs> and they were just going on, you know. And I said, okay, okay, everybody under 21, stand up. I thought that would get them, you know. So I said, you know, the youth got to be paying more attention than everybody else because they're going to be the first to respond. And they still kind of talked while I had everybody standing up. So, man, that didn't get their attention. I was kind of bummed, like, man, this is not working. So I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their knuckles. And I thought arthritis, no big deal. You know, God can take care of arthritis. This woman came down, and she had one finger like this, and these fingers were cut off. I thought, man, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking arthritis. <laughs> and I was kind of freaked out, you know. And I said, Father, thank you for new fingers for her. In Jesus' name, I thank you for new fingers. Well, her fingers grew out right there. Well, the youth group freaked out. Because, see, I don't care what your last name is or whatever. You see somebody that doesn't have fingers, get fingers. It kind of freaks you out. So they got supernaturally quiet. So, see, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I tried in all I could to get them with me, and I couldn't get them with me. They saw a lady get her new fingers, and they freaked out. I, I was telling Pastor David, I was in uh, Boston last year. I said, give you one more, then I'm stopping. I was in Boston last year, and uh, this pastor's wife came up to us. We were preaching in Boston. She goes, hey, you were here in Concord 25 years ago. I go, I don't remember. She goes, you had a word of knowledge about, about fingernails. I said, I don't remember. She goes, well, you did. And about 12 people came down, and you said, well, none of you are the ones I'm looking for, but, but uh, we'll pray for you in faith, but there's still someone else. And this lady told me she was afraid to come down. It was new to her, and she didn't have a fingernail here on her ring finger. She said two days later, she said, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't go down to get that but I'll take that right now. She said right then her fingernail came on her finger and that night her boyfriend asked her to marry her. So God loves you so much he wants you to have a nail on your ring finger. So I preached in that church in Lyconia this last April. I had her get up and testify. So here's a woman with no fingernail. God loves you so much he wants you to have your own fingernail. I mean, so we just, we so, we think we want demonstrations for demonstration's sake. He wants to take care of people and help them and bless them. So, so the thought pattern right here before we leave the planet is an explosion of the mercy of God. You want, we want to see more manifestations of the glory of the Lord? Let's watch Him love on His creation. Watch Him bless His creation. I know preaching on end times as I go from place to place and place to place, God's trying to get people aware of how much He loves them. This morning, He loves you, wants to strengthen you, wants to encourage you, wants to help you. He wants to lift you up. He only has wonderful things for your future. He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. He wants the very best for you. And if he thinks that way about his kids, oh, come on now. Think of him stretching that out through you to a whole public that has no idea what he's really like. The world's never seen how good he really is. But God raised you up to be a carrier of this right here before Jesus comes back. So I don't know about you. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to go, Lord. I'm open to whatever you want to do. You want, however you want to harvest. Uh, we'll lay hands on the sick. You can, do, you can stretch forth your hands with signs and wonders. And let's do it just like the book of Acts. With no weirdness, no strangeness, but demonstrations of the glory of the Lord.